Hello and welcome to the History in Today podcast. I'm Sam Zellin and I was joined today by my co-host Katie Spinato as well as guest Caitlin Stiles, a fellow history major. We discussed the place of history in today's society, the importance of everyone having access to the same true facts of history, and the dangers of a regime trying to impose its false narrative through history education. It was a great conversation and I hope you all enjoy. Let's get into it. We have decided to kind of do a slightly different style of episode. Um, we are kind of we're going to be tying it in with history and politics at some point uh, later on in the episode. But right now we're kind of focusing more on our personal histories. And basically the the key and the, the title of this episode is going to be the why history, I guess you could say. Why history or the, the reason we all do history or just kind of the, the roots of three history majors and why we're still chugging along doing it. So, uh, do either of you guys want to start off with kind of your story of how you came to be a history major at the University of Connecticut? I think Kate should start because she's our guest, Caitlin. Oh, Go right ahead. fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Okay. Um, I, well, I remember growing up, I, I pretty much was, was the house where my father and I would watch History Channel every single day for hours, Discovery Channel, um, American Heroes Channel, you know, all of the good stuff. Um, and when I was a senior in high school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted my major to be, um, I was like, okay, I know I wanna go down the education path. I know I want to teach high school social studies, but how am I going to go about that? So, you know, I researched and researched and I realized I could be a history major. And so I brought it to my school counselor and I was like, hey, I really want to be a history major. And I remember explicitly her going, hmm, really? And I said, yeah, I'm really excited. I think this will be great. And she told me, I don't know if you should do that. History majors don't really get hired. I was like, what do you mean they don't get hired? She was like, well, if you change your mind about education, you kind of have a useless degree. I was like, well, ma'am, I'm going to show you what a useless degree is. Thank you very much. Here's my application to my colleges that I want to go to. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, and I got into to everywhere that I applied, which was really exciting. And when I chose the school that I'm at now um, and, you know, went to freshman orientation and met my um, history advisor, it was like the most magical experience. You know, everybody else was meeting with their advisors and they just had like the most dopey, miserable looks on their face. Like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? But meeting with my advisor, there were, granted there was only three of us that day, which really speaks to some stuff. But um, being there with her, it was like talking to a pal. We all just had a good time. It was comfortable. It was fun. And I have never looked back. That's great. Yeah, I think yeah, shout out to our history advisor. We I think pretty sure we all have the same one. She's great. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I I think we had that same experience where, you know, just meeting her on that first day was like, okay, yeah, I think this is where we need to be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Katie, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. So I wouldn't say that I have this one specific story of how I've gotten here. I've gotten here because of trial and error as I, as I normally do. Um, but 
I would say like throughout my educational experience, I always knew that I wanted to teach because there were so many good teachers throughout, you know, my school system that I grew up in. And so I looked up to my teachers as these people who just had a wealth of knowledge as teachers do. And so I knew I wanted to do something with education very early on. However, the history part did not come until much later. I think that throughout my experience, there's either good, really, really good history teachers or there's history teachers you just don't really vibe with. And that's that. There's there's no one that really falls in the middle. Um, and I'd say that that there were certain years where I didn't vibe with history. And then there were years where I was like, oh my God, this teacher is amazing. And I live, breathe, and, you know, work my my magic for history. Um, and so I would say like the the point where I decided I wanted to do it was definitely when I, you know, was toward the end of high school. And I was like, well, I need to do something like, in the beginning of high school, I actually wanted to like go into journalism or do something with English and publishing. And then I decided that English just wasn't for me and I didn't, I didn't want to do it. Um, and then I switched to history because I've always, I've always found that I like understanding the world around me. And I think that the only thing that truly gets you to understand that the world around you is history. And especially given that the political climate really changed like in the middle of our high school experience i definitely think that that shift in political climate you know really got me thinking well we need to learn about history objectively and in order to i mean in order for democracy to work and in order for our country to work people need to be educated on history and so i was like well this is a no-brainer people need it and i think that you know they're I feel like history and like education just gets a gets a bad rap because people are like, oh, history is just memorizing dates and memorizing facts. <laughs> and yes, like it's about that. But I've come to learn that like it's not really about the dates. Like it's not about it's about an overarching timeline. Yes, because you need to fit like events in the context of where they come from. But it's it's more than memorization it's more than dates and i think that if if we approach history a different way and if i can have a role in helping people view history a different way just maybe our country could work a little bit better um so that's kind of how i how i got here nice yeah i agree with a lot of what both of you guys said but uh i think you know mine is definitely more of a more of a trial and error in the, in the way katie's was but I also kind of, I, I was nowhere near the, the education sphere until the second half of my high school career, where I, as a young kid, I'd always loved history. I, you know, studied presidents when I was six years old, because I was like, oh, I'll <laughs> learn all of them. And it had always been a hobby and something I did at home, because it was never really stressed at school, and history was never really an important thing that we learned until about eighth grade. But um i basically went down this path of i'm going to be in some kind of astronomical field where i wanted to either be an astrophysicist or an astronaut until i saw the challenger video or um you know some kind of astronomer or something and then i took physics 
and I realized <laughs> this is not for me. So <laughs> I I started weighing my options. I'm like, I don't want to be in a lab for the rest of my life. I don't want to just be, and I'm sorry if I'm, you know, ragging on STEM right now, but uh, I don't want to be in a lab for the rest of my life. I don't want to be, you know, just kind of studying something, hoping to find the next great thing. Uh, and I'm not, I don't think I'm Albert Einstein when it comes to physics, because I really don't know, you know, up from down. And I said, you know, what, what do I really care about? And it kind of came back to, okay, I rant about history to my friends all the time, but I have never really considered that even to be a viable choice because it's not really pushed. I feel like, you know, even in a progressive area where, you know, we all live in Connecticut and some part, some part of Connecticut where it's, you know, even the most conservative areas are more progressive than a lot of other places. Uh, history just isn't really very valued. And I think the, that idea of you're not going to get a job or you're not going to get paid or, you know, you know, you're, you're, you know, you have a useless degree if you, if you fail at this one place you want to be is, is really a detractor, I think, for a lot of people that are interested in history, but it's, oh, history is a hobby. History is, you know, what you do in your free time. Uh, obviously, you know. For us, making this podcast is what we do in our free time, but we we also do history for our school. But uh, but yeah, um, I think that those are our stories. We all kind of came to the same place with, as I as we said earlier, with the advisor, uh, who shall remain nameless because we have not asked her if we can mention her. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, regarding regarding history and how we've gotten here. Uh, how were your just kind of your social studies in general upbringings in school? How was how was social studies presented to you? Hmm. Well, I think it, it really depends on the teacher and the timeline. Um, elementary school, we barely learned social studies. I think we learned like these are the 50 states. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Um, and that was that. I know middle school, we did, um, it was pretty much global studies. Um, sixth and seventh grade was just global studies. And then eighth grade was um, colonial America, um, which I was like hot dog, finally. This is, this is really the part of history that I love more than anything. I mean, I would just geeked out like every single day in that class. I, I had the best time um, because I'm an American history type of gal. And uh, freshman year of high school was again, just global history, but it was very interesting. It was taught by an absolutely amazing educator who inspired me to go down the education path and the history path as well. Um, and then from there on out, um, I had that same teacher two more times. And then I had a political science teacher who is my inspiration for my minor. Um, so I think, in high school, I was very, very lucky that I had, even though it, I only experienced those two educators, they were foundational in my feelings towards history and my love of history and political science, because that's my minor. Um, but I know some kids in high school, especially my high school, if they didn't have those teachers, they were just bored to death um, and ended up hating history. Um, 
because history is the most interesting thing in the world, but if it is not taught by an interesting person, people can find it to be boring. Um, so a tendency that I saw is if you did not have one of the teachers that I was lucky to have, you walked out of high school thinking that history was boring and stupid, um, which is unfortunate. So it was really, for me and, 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 and my town, it was kind of the luck of the draw. Did you get the interesting teacher that knew what they were doing or did you unfortunately <laughs> get one who was very, very sweet but couldn't really make history as exciting as it is? Yeah, I totally, I totally feel that because we kind of had a, we had a very similar system. I know Katie and I have talked about it in the education episode, which is wow, like seven or eight weeks ago now. Uh, the different kind of levels of school, where different teachers teach it at different levels, whether it's honors or non honors or AP, and mm -hmm. because there are different teachers in some of those levels at my school, sometimes you got a completely different narrative with one as opposed to the other, and there were teachers that leaned left, teachers that leaned right, and you could get a completely different story based on right. what they took. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I also think, you know, with, with, with my presentation of history, I think it's really interesting how you had global studies in middle school, where for me, social studies in elementary school was, yeah, the states we learned, we sung a song about it. And then most of social studies was don't bully your peers. Uh, I remember yeah. that being, we're going to do social studies today. And then it was like, yeah, okay, we're going to talk about bullying. <laughs> and, yeah. and, um, oh, I, I'll blow your minds with my um, my elementary education when you're done, Sam. But, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but yeah, so it was that. And then, and then uh, middle school, we had a very brief overview of like ancient civilizations in sixth grade. Or we did, we did China, we did Egypt, we did... Uh, Mesopotamia and it was it was really cool that you know we, we talked about it we talked about cavemen but it wasn't it didn't really go in depth and it didn't really ask like the tough questions uh seventh grade takes a total break for my for my curriculum where we do geography for a year uh there is no history in seventh grade and then eighth grade is American history which I always don't really understand because my my town does American history in junior year where everybody yeah. takes American history but they also take it in eighth grade and I feel like that eighth grade year could definitely be used for something else, but I un I understand why they kind of want to give you a baseline of it. But it's basically like we're gonna do a push light, then give you two years of global studies because we do global studies in ninth grade and tenth grade, then go back to American history, and then senior year is incredibly open ended. I ended up taking three history classes. I know people that took zero history classes. Yeah, uh, and it's basically just it's whatever you want to do uh, for your history education, right? But yeah, so Katie, I'm excited. I want to hear this. <laughs> okay, so in elementary school, I feel like my elementary history experience is a little more rigorous than than <laughs> both of yours. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, it's crazy because um, it's all the same state. It's not like we live like yeah. really far away. <laughs> no, but. Two, two like things that I distinctly like prominently remember learning about. Um, one of which being in third grade, we learned a lot about um, indigenous peoples or Native Americans, and we filled out packets on each of the tribes in the Northeast. And we learned about the Iroquois Confederacy, like at like a very like, what? you know, obviously basic level because we were young. But like we took 
we took like a trip to um, the Pequot Museum in, you know, that's in Connecticut, um, oh, which is used to educate. Yeah, which is used to educate um, people on Native American history. And so I'm a Native American um, in Indigenous Studies minor right now. Um, and my love for that history came from third grade doing the coloring packets on what? the Confederacy and stuff like that. Um, but then in fourth grade, we did explorers and we talked about all of the explorers who came and like colonized the different areas. And I did have like a little paper on how um, Francisco Pizarro overtook the Incan Empire. And um, I don't know how I did that in fourth grade. And I don't know why, like people did like Hernan Cortez. I did Francisco Pizarro. We each had like our own explorer. And I'm like, looking back at it, like people also didn't have that. Like, I feel like it was a little more rigorous and, um, you know, I don't know how much I absorbed, but I will never forget <laughs> that Francisco Pizarro, he was the Incan Empire there. He just took that down. Yeah, actually, um, so I'll always remember that. <laughs> you just totally refreshed my memory because now that I think about it, we actually that is one thing that we did do in elementary school. We did explorers. We did explorers yeah. and we did um we did a brief Asia project, but it was modern Asia. It wasn't really history. It was just like, you know, take a country really? and talk about like the food that they have. Yeah. But it was like I... it was, it was kind of interesting. I totally forgot. We also did the explorers. I'm guilty. I was Miss Hernand Cortez. Whoops. Um, yeah, I, did, and... I did Hernand Cortez, and yeah, yeah, I was Hernan, very basic. My Hernand Cortez. Uh, my my entire narrative for that was that he was like the hero, like he was. It was. It's kind of crazy looking at that. Looking at that now, where it's like Hernan Cortez is like probably one of the most infamous like murderers of <laughs> of people. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of unilaterally agreed upon. Like, I understand, like, Christopher Columbus is, for some reason, an argument. I, I feel like that st really shouldn't be an argument either. But most people will agree that the kind of systematic routing of the Aztecs in Tenochtitlan was mm -hmm. kind of just generally bad. <laughs> and also, and also, he, it's not like he was loyal to the Spanish either. He actually kind of, screwed over the Spanish too in order to take his own glory. So the guy in no sense and no perspective was a good person, but because he was one of these, you know, explorers, like heroes, we're all thinking of, you know, as fourth graders, this like Indiana Jones narrative. Uh, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a hero, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever really like saw Francisco Pizarro as a hero. I was just kind of like, yo, he destroyed the Incans. Like, I don't, I don't think that like I idolized him as a hero. But um, to kind of like continue the story, um, so that's what I did in elementary school. Similar to Sam, we did American history in fifth, eighth, and eleventh grade. Wow, so I learned three. American history three times in my educational experience. So fifth grade was very much early American history. Like we learned about like the Oregon Trail and like we learned like all of that, like early, like Lewis and Clark, like all that stuff, which is like totally whitewashed by the way. Yeah. But we learned about that in fifth grade. And then um, sixth grade was like working with um, Mesopotamia and early civilizations. Um, and then like similar to you, Sam, we did um, like more so like of a geography, like seventh grade, I don't even know what to categorize it as. Um, but then when we reached eighth grade, we also did American history, but we had like a research paper that we needed to do. And 
in that, I took the opportunity to push my native studies beyond the coloring packets that we did in third grade. And um, I researched the Trail of Tears and, you know, the the forced migration of native peoples under Andrew Jackson. And so that's the paper that I worked on. And that was one of the only forms of education that I got um, on native studies in, you know, in my school district. Um, but then like moving on to ninth grade, we looked at, you know, like the Renaissance and like that kind of era. Yeah. And then 10th grade was like civics and stuff. And I just think it's very interesting how, how hard U.S. history was pushed in my town, but we could have learned about different people, like, within, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, we could have focused on, you know, in eighth grade, like, focusing on a certain dynamic or demographic. Yeah. So, like, take that time to learn about how, you know, maybe Black Black Americans fit into the, the story in eighth grade. And then, like, I don't know what you could get out of fifth grade because it's still sort of, you know, elementary. Yeah. Um, but... I feel like it was just taught the same way three times, which is, you know, not great because the way it's taught is, you know, whitewashed and not, you know, objective in terms of speaking about minority groups and all of that. So, yeah. I can definitely see that. I, again, I think I was incredibly lucky. I had very intelligent teachers who, really went out of their way to make sure that they taught us as much as they could. But it also came down to, um, were you lucky enough to be able to handle a college level course? We had college level ECE um, courses that you could take as a junior or senior, which I did. And my junior year, I took US history since 1877. And then my senior year, I took, um, introduction to American studies, which I think every history major should take. That class is awesome. <laughs> um, it's American studies is like this really cool melting pot of English and history and cultural studies and music and sociology. It's just super, super cool. Um, but if you were not a kid who was deemed, you know, intelligent enough to be in those high level college courses, you missed out on a lot of nuanced um, American history that, you know, you were able to get in those high level courses. I mean, you wouldn't learn about Alice Paul unless you were in U.S. history since 1877, or you wouldn't learn about the Vietnam War unless you were in American studies, which is wild. Yeah. Um, so it, it's almost like this and this was always the problem that I had with my town is yes, um, the educational opportunity to learn a little bit more history, it's certainly there, but you also need to be considered intelligent enough. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's perhaps it's classist, perhaps it's, I, I, I don't know how to, you know, classify that, but it almost feels like, you know, in my town, it was denoted that you only deserve the the contemporary history if you're smart um which is really 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 unfortunate because that robbed a lot of kids of learning some really interesting stuff yeah i think that's i yeah. think that's actually kind of oh wait were you were, did you have more to say no i'm good yeah, i was just gonna say that i like i wholeheartedly agree with that i think that 
even like the level that we're we are as of present i still get friends who weren't in you know the classes i was in totally. and they didn't get like that that nuanced very like specific history education they're asking me like basic questions about and i'm like well why don't why don't you know that mm -hmm. um because it's like that that just seems like something that's so clear to us they weren't they weren't taught in those classes so it's like why why isn't history being just taught like wh why does it have to have those like different like nuance levels based on how you know intelligent you're perceived to be like i think that it's not like the history does not change yeah. so i don't understand why why it's treated like that because everyone should have access to as much history especially american history because we live in america i mean and we need our democracy needs to work and the only way it can work is if people are educated on their history um so i i don't know i just think that it's inaccessible the way it's currently being taught like it's not it's not it should be taught consistently across the board because history is consistent you can't just like change it to fit your views and i think that that's kind of the transition point that we can yeah, take. yeah. and yeah. i think for me that's that's really really why i mean at first when i chose to be a history major i was like oh this will be cool but now that you know i'm i'm getting into it more i'm almost at the credit level of a junior and you know now that i've been doing this for a while i'm realizing perhaps the reason that i'm a history major i'm meant to be a history major and perhaps the reason that i want to teach so bad is because those educational inequalities they bother me um it makes me angry i think that every child no matter where you're from no matter your socioeconomic standing you deserve comprehensive history education. You deserve to know what the world around you is all about. And you deserve that amazing education from an educator that loves and cares about you. And in a lot of school districts, you just simply do not get that unless you are the top 1% of your town or you have a lot of money where you were able to get tutors. So now your grades are nice. Um, you know, that's just not fair. That doesn't fly for me. Yeah. Um, so now over time, I think, you know, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, um, or if you guys know, have noticed this too, but over time, my, my reasoning for being a history major has changed from this will be interesting to this is a mission that I am on now. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I totally feel that. I think it may, it's made me more and more angry as I realized just how, like, how different the education, you know, talking to people that went to the same school I did, how different the education was in different classes. But I think it's it's kind of weird because we, you know, we grew up in the era of Common Core and say what you will about Common Core. Mm -hmm. But Common Core's main goal, you know, we could debate whether or not it achieved this because obviously that's, you know, a whole other episode. <laughs> but uh, their main goal was to kind of add synthesis to classes. And I think, you know, that was, you know, kind of, that was integrated at different times for different subjects. But I think that's the new mentality and the mentality that works for history, where it's, you know, you're, you're, you're asking questions in history, you are trying to put together, you know, your own personal perception of what happened and, you know, have an opinion about what history is. Meanwhile, before the era of Common Core and before that, uh, it was all history was kind of the gate it was it was the gatekeeping for the intellectual i think 
you know, when you think of the, you know, the Harvard history professor tweed jacket, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> 1950s, you think about, you know, I don't know, I think about, you know, the Roman Empire when it would, they used to ask if you knew your classics and you, they yeah. asked, you know, if you could, you know, even in, the, in you know, the American, American history, you know, they would ask if you knew, you know, facts and dates and, you know, when did this happen? What happened there? Who was there? How many people died in this battle? All that kind of stuff. And that was the, that was the value. That was the, you know, you know your history, you are smart. And <laughs> I yeah. think, I think we're coming out of that. Like, I think we are, we're definitely making progress in coming out of history as a way to show that you're intelligent, as opposed to history as a way to learn the truth about the world. Um, and I think we're coming out of that. I definitely think that my, my high school teachers were fantastic. I think, you know, without my high school teachers, I wouldn't be a history teacher because I wouldn't have, mm -hmm. door wouldn't have been opened for yep. me. I think I, you know, no one wants to be a history teacher if they don't know about history. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, I, it, 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 yeah. in, is there infinitely? No, that's not a word. I am incredibly grateful for my teachers. Uh, but I also know that there are people in my town and towns next to me, uh, in, you know, all across the country, all across the world who don't get an equal education because they, you know, sometimes it's not even the teacher's fault. Sometimes it's the curriculum. Sometimes it's the textbook they're using. Uh, I think that yeah, the exposure is not the same. I think that part of it is because with you mentioned Common Core, which I think we're not going to get like too into it, but Common Core in in the way that I perceive it and the way that I think it plays out a lot of the time is that there is so much emphasis put on English and um, math. And so subjects like science and history are viewed as secondary and not necessarily necessary mm -hmm. to take like and because if you look at like standardized testing and like what you're consistently tested on, um, like standardized throughout the entire country, there's there's not a history section, there's not a science section, it's English and math. And I and so you get this sort of idea that history is not something that's necessary. I think, and so, like, I don't, I obviously think it's necessary, which is why I'm going, you know, to teach it, but I think that that's part of the reason why people are so turned off by history and they don't think it's needed, because that's how it's kind of been, you know, messaged throughout the entire education system, and I think that what's, what's so detrimental about that is history is a lot more than, you know, knowing, like you said, Sam, knowing those dates, like knowing you know, the exact time when things happened. It's about analysis. I I mean, hot topic, but I find history more useful than English because you're actually analyzing things that like, that happened in the world, like objectively. And like, I'm not saying that, you know, analyzing novels is not, you know, the way to go, but novels are secondary sources. And so you don't really get that experience with working one-on-one -on -one with, those sources that actually tell you the most about a about a group of people or about a culture. Um, so I personally think that history would be better served um, to be one of those core subjects because it, it just, it involves dealing with actual firsthand accounts instead of looking at, you know, a novel that's been, you know, heavily edited, you know, heavily 
thought about i mean which is good like there's nothing wrong with novels but i think that like that's kind of like the battle between english and history is like which one tells you more and i mean like they both tell you something valuable about the world but i think history is just a faster way to get to that point than english yeah mm -hmm. and i think i think comparing the subjects and kind of figuring out the importance of where history stands in the curriculum is a good way to segue into our next conversation but first i want to take a short break uh, for our ad space, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, so uh, now that we're kind of pretty deep into the conversation, we're going to talk about STEM, STEM and history and the place of where everything should be in the education system. Uh, and we're going to talk about current political events that are happening that kind of pertain to education and history and all that as a whole. So yeah, uh, who wants to start off this conversation? Yeah, so when we were um, on our little ad break, um, we actually got started on our conversation about history and STEM. Um, and I think, you know, before we touch on what I was saying just now, um, usually in schools or, you know, in general, when you, I've noticed this for myself, when you are talking in a space of different majors, right? If you put a bunch of majors together in a room, and you say i'm a history major i don't know if you guys have ever gotten this but you get these looks of like ugh from people and then they go and say like i'm a neurology blah 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 molecular whatever major and it's like that's so awesome like i'm really happy for you why can't you be happy for me that i like history gosh darn it it's it's like this weird almost stigma around history majors, but really the humanities in general, mm. where people are, are pretty much fed the narrative, like it's either STEM or die. It's either STEM or homeless. It's either STEM or unemployment. And obviously we know that is horribly inaccurate. I mean, come on guys, there is a job for every major, um, even the silly ones, quote unquote. But- um, Looking at you puppetry. Yeah, looking at you, y'all will have jobs and I'm happy for you. You know, there's this, this weird stigma that like, you must be a STEM major or you are just an inferior little rat, you know, this, this uneducated fool. Oh, you silly girl, you're majoring in history. Nothing will ever be good for you again. Enjoy being impoverished. I mean, I... I remember once um, I was talking to this kid who was in one of my political science classes and he was there because it was a gen ed um, mm -hmm. and I, I was helping him with his work. So, you know, he really should have been bowing down to me, but whatever. Um, and, you know, he actually asked me like, oh, I never, I never got your major. And I said, oh, I'm a history major. What about you? And he said, I'm actuarial sciences because I want to live well and I actually want a job. <laughs> so I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, history, really? What are you even going to do with that? So I said, oh, I there are so many things. Yeah. Yeah. So There's I so said like, yeah. <laughs> I will say though, I pity, I pity the actual actuarial science majors and people like that though, because they're in this, you know, this very structured framework where they have yeah. no movement and they can't take any classes that they aren't dictated to take. Right. And yeah, they're going to make a lot of money, but is it fun? Is it enjoyable? Is it fulfilling? Right. I don't and, think as much. And I remember, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I remember, you know, I started, I told him, okay, I want to go into the educational field. And then I listed a bunch of other jobs and he was like, you'll just end up in some stupid museum. Believe me. I was like, first of all, That's rude. museums are not stupid. They're fun. And I like to go to them. Thank you very much. Second of all, if I want to be a museum curator, I will do so. And you will bring your stupid kids and ask me questions because you won't know any of the answers. Thank you. Goodbye. Good sir. And I never spoke to him again. And he <laughs> did not do well in the class because I ditched him and stopped helping him understand what was going on. So <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's so silly that that the stereotypical like first thought is that you don't have anything to do with a history major like that. It's not history is not going to get you anywhere because there's so many things that you can do with a history major. And like not to say that like. STEM's not important because, yes, like STEM's important, it's very but, important. but history gives you skills that help you in every single area of your life. Mm -hmm. It gives you communication skills. It gives you analysis skills. You can an analyze for something for what it really is in terms of like a social context. It gives you awareness of different cultures. So you're not ethnocentric and you're maybe not as racist as the guy sitting next to you. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it gives you so, so many things to work with. And I think that it's part of it is because it's not something history is not a major that lands you a specific area of focus history is something that gives you the foundation for skills that you can then choose wherever you want to go you know so it's definitely not something that's like considered like a specialized field in the sense where it leads lead, leads you to a specific path but you have those transferable skills that people look for when they're looking to employ someone, you know, you have those problem solving skills, you have those interpretive skills. Um, and I think that that's kind of how we should be valuing, you know, the workplace and, you know, people you hire instead of, oh, what was your, what was your GPA? Oh, you're, you're STEM. Yes. I'm going to pick you over the, right. the person who had the history degree. Yeah. yeah. And so. you could use a history degree and go to med school. I mean, mm -hmm. you could do anything. A lot of history majors go on and become really awesome and educated lawyers um, because you need that historical background to be able to make an intelligent argument in court. I mean, you could take a history degree and go work and become a journalist. I mean, you could do so much with a history degree. Um, you know, your options are not, you know, homelessness or sadness if you're a history major. I mean, you can do so much good in the world and, and for yourself just with a history degree. Mm -hmm. And just to toot our own horns for a second, a history major from a state school is currently leading the polls for president right now. So <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, I think that it's, it's really interesting to think of history as this foundation for doing everything because yeah, you know, actuarial science is, a, is a very good major and, Molecular, molecular cell biology, I can't even pronounce it, I don't even, uh, right. and like a PNB and all those ones, they're all, you know, engineering, they're all great majors, and engineering I think you can do a lot with, but uh, they, they are kind of just like, you know, you're doing this, you're slotted for this job, you're getting this job, 
and even the even the classes like we've mentioned um poli sci and i want to throw psychology into the ring are kind of these like in the middle subjects where we have psych and poli sci as these two basically humanities courses where you're talking about you know a lot of stuff that comes up in history and you're talking you know poli sci some poli sci classes are just straight up history classes mm-hmm. and but they're both given kind of that science tick and i think that's why we see you know it's like eight percent of the entire country are psych majors because psych is this is this hugely popular major because it's it's for the kids that don't want to be actuarial scientists or molecular cell biologists or you know doctors but also they don't want to jump off the cliff and say i want to be a history major or an english major or you know something that's like as we said earlier I'm going to make you homeless. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you're like, oh, I have a psych degree and you can do you can do so much with a psych degree. Like psych, just like history, is is very much a baseline for a lot of things. You could be a doctor, you could be a, a social, sociologist, you could be a psychologist, you could be, you know, a history teacher, really. You could be anything with a psych degree. And I think it's it's really interesting to look at that or poli sci, where poli sci is also basically a humanities course, but it has the science tick. Uh, you can kind of you know validate yourself more that you're that major as opposed to a history major, where you kind of have to slot yourself into the I don't the the either I'm a teacher or bust as most people kind of think of us as. Mm-hmm. Kind of not fair, in my opinion. Right, yeah. I agree with that. I I um, I remember another... I have so many stories about just, like, being told my history major is trash. But um, I remember another time I... um, I can't even remember who the person was, but this was, I think, second semester freshman year. I was talking to someone in one of my classes, and, you know, we did the introductions. What's your major? I don't even remember what their major was, <clears throat> but I said I'm history. And they were like, so what are you going to do with that? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going into education. They were like, isn't that like the only thing you could really do with a history degree? And I was like, well, no. Um, But thanks for your thoughts. (laughs) Not true, though. Thank you. I definitely would say like I've I've had like kind of the opposite experience. I've told people that I'm a history major and they're like, oh, cool. And I don't know if it's because, like, I also list, like, my minors, so, like, they know it's a little more specialized, but, or, like, specific, but, like, I don't get those questions. Like, I don't get the, oh, what are you going to do with that? Or, oh, like, why are you a history major? I just say I'm a history major, and people just, like, take it as it is. So I I definitely feel like, yeah, I don't know. I've never really gotten, like, the what are you going to do with that or, you know, the the kind of second guessing. Maybe it's because they don't want to say it to me i don't know interesting but i don't know maybe uh, i just attract not nice people i'm not sure <laughs> you know I, i'm kind of in the middle i just kind of i hear the oh that's really cool and also the you know what are you going to do with that how are you going to make money uh yeah i like to i like to kind of throw in my little party trick of of knowing the presidents just kind of like i just say like give me a number and that usually, like, impresses people. They're like, oh, wow, you know your stuff. I'm like, well, that's, you know, kind of the old-style history that we talked about, where it's kind of gatekeeping. But also, unfortunately, sometimes that's the only tool we have to make history look impressive. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on about the nuances and construction of, of sexuality in the United States and, and the history of, of sexuality in the United States. And everybody's like, don't care. But if, if I pull out, like, I know who John Adams is. And exactly. like, oh my God. Yeah. Give her a prize. <laughs> oh my gosh. Look at her go. It's, it's like, it, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very, for me, it's very interesting because, um, you know, I'm a Native American Indigenous Studies minor, and it's obviously not something that that people like go out in Yukon and study. Like, it's definitely not a you know popular minor. Um, but whenever I like mumble off something about like Native American like culture, like Indigenous you know, peoples, and how they fit into like America today, they're just like, oh. That's really cool. I don't know if it's because people just like don't have never really taken classes on indigenous peoples, which is probably the case because it's largely not taught. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that kind of impresses people. Like, so it depends on like what you like gravitate toward. But the fact like the fact that you need like a cool fancy trick to like show people that you like you know your stuff like that's just that shouldn't be needed. Like exactly. I don't feel like a STEM person and go yo tell me every element on the periodic table like it doesn't happen so like why do why do we have to like validate you know that we know it yeah hey right. perform surgery on that guy right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think for me i especially get the hmm what are you going to do with that because i'm very interested in and i might mess around and pick up a second minor because i'm crazy but i'm very much interested in in human rights and women's gender and sexuality studies and you know all of that stuff so you know if i ever start rattling off some history with um some wigs women's gender sexuality stuff mixed in it, it most of the time i go i get you know a really good response of oh that's really interesting but sometimes i'll get the so you're going to snowflake school and it's like no <laughs> I'm not. I'm learning about people. You know, you should try it. You know, give it a go. Um, So I I think, um, you know, Katie told me, you know, the other day that that was her minor. And I was like, really excited for her because I was like, I didn't even know that was a minor that existed. Right. I I, I literally went right away to the minor website. And I was like, is she is she yanking my chain? And I looked and I was like, that's so (laughs) cool. I got so excited. Um, because I agree with you. We we don't learn this contemporary history. We're given pretty much that baseline narrative. And then as historians, it's up to us to explore that nitty gritty and, and find our, our sweet spot um, in the study of history. Um, so, you know, I want you to know, Katie, I think your, your minor is just the coolest thing. Um, so good for you. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. I feel I feel bad sometimes that I like kind of you know, whenever we have an episode and we're like Native Americans, I'm like, Katie, talk about it. But like, <laughs> it's just so cool that like, you know, we have someone with like a very like, I feel like that's kind of a niche history perspective that not many people really talk about. And it's needs to be talked about more. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> I mean, going back to the Iroquois Confederacy, um, you know, packets, coloring packets we had in third grade. That's where it all started. I, I love it. And the other day, and Katie can attest to this, I I, um, I tutor on the side. That's that's kind of, uh, it's not a hobby. I mean, I get paid for it, which is awesome, but kind of a hobby. And I was tutoring this um, amazing and intelligent eighth grader 
um, from Texas and um, she needed to learn about the Iroquois. So I immediately texted Katie and I'm like, oh my God, I need your help. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it, it kind of makes me feel sad that as a history major, I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe I'll Google it. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, historians have their little thing that they're especially good at because then we can run to each other and, and cry for help when <laughs> we feel most uneducated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely think it's, it's, history is so broad that you need that little like specialization area. You know, you, you need like something that you really, you know, just vibe with and you know that you're going to lean toward that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, which I think is why, you know, Caitlin go for that second minor because like it, it helps you become more specialized and it helps you like fine tune you yeah. know that path so when people are like what are you going to use this for well I'm going to teach you about indigenous peoples when you know you need to know about it you know I'm going to I'm going to explain to you what what the border wall in Arizona means for the native nations that live on the border of Arizona and Mexico I'm going to tell you what that means so it, it's still like things like that you never know when they're going to pop up in modern society which is why i think it's so cool that we learn about history but i think it's a good time to transition into um you know what we were going to talk about in terms of education and why it's important that we that we teach these things yeah i heard border wall and i was like oh i think i know where we're going with this <laughs> so uh we wanted to tag this on because it's come more to light in the last week and we thought wow this is a great time to talk about it when we're doing an education episode. Uh, recently, Trump, uh, President Trump, if you want to give him that, but at this point, I don't know if he even deserves that, if totally honest, uh, has announced that he's signing an executive order to create a group called the 1776 Commission, uh, which is going to promote, and this is the kind of the buzzword I've seen going around, patriotic education. And this is going to be federally funded, and it's going to be in many schools. Well, we'll see if it actually rolls out. But it is a direct response to the New York Times' initiative of the 1619 Project, which, of course, is big emphasis on starting American history with emphasis on the slaves coming over to Jamestown. And... You know, obviously in this climate, that's needed. We're, you know, kind of opening it. We're up at this time, you know, people are opening their eyes for the first time, finally, to, you know, we really need to talk about the fact that this country isn't just, it's white history. And we need to talk about the history of everybody that's American. And Trump is seeing this as a threat, obviously, because, you know, he is white history <laughs> uh, and he's, he's seeing this as a threat and he says you know we need to bury it under the 1776 project or whatever he's calling it obviously referencing when the declaration of independence was signed not when the country started but when the declaration of independence was signed um and yeah so what do you guys think about this i'm just gonna open it up and I, let you guys go okay i I think that starting starting at 1776 is is wrong for for so many reasons. Um, uh, for the obvious ones that we're gonna mention, that you know, systemic racism is so intertwined in America. You could argue that America is systemic racism. Mm -hmm. um, 
and so I think that starting at 1776 and obliterating that that like century before centuries before that you know we came to America not only does it not only does it wipe out the native narrative that starts at like 1492 and goes up to 1776 you're wiping out that entire indigenous you know well, before narrative. 1492 1492 just happens to be when colonials got here no no i mean like european contact yet yeah, like i obviously know that but you know the <laughs> the intermingling of you know race relations between europeans and indigenous peoples obviously mm -hmm. started then Right. Um, so you're missing out on that entire history. So you you know you're wiping out the indigenous history. Number one, you're you're invalidating the um, you know 100 plus years that you know slavery began to grow um, in you know the various um, colonies that that we you know developed. And you know people people don't really like emphasize this this much, but you know the the relationship between you know how how black americans or how black people shaped the 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 foundings of our country like the the distinct identities of the regions that we live in today they started before the declaration of independence was signed like we yeah. you know the north the north and the south and the and the differences between like the economic the political the social like the black Americans and black black people in general, like they they're the ones who helped shape that. And I think that that this starting at 1776 and just like wiping out all of the indigenous and you know and black um history is just it's just wrong on so many levels. That's yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. And you know, I mean if if we really want to get super history, I mean triangular trade did not just like blow up and become a thing in 1776 <laughs> right i mean triangular yeah. trading and the the inhumane usage of slaves um you know that wasn't just like surprise it's 1776 and now human rights violations are occurring <laughs> no that was happening for a long time and and if we want to have some patriotic education right his logic of it starting at 1776 is flawed simply in the fact that quote unquote patriotism or you know the the foundations of american representative democracy i mean that goes all the way back to you know 1620 with the mayflower compact or you know the fundamental orders of connecticut in the 1630s um or you know the virginia house of burgess i mean you know american democracy doesn't just like make an appearance oh, yeah. out of nowhere i mean it, it it's not I, I i just i don't understand how anybody could possibly think that american history just like comes out of nothing it, it doesn't even make any sense if i had to teach and i just started from 1776 i can only imagine the amount of questions i would get from students like how did we get here? What, what, how are we in a revolution? Yeah, that's, not, two, not to, that's two April sorry, you units that you're skipping over. Like, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think like also not to mention that we wouldn't even have been here if it weren't for, you know, alliances with with um, indigenous nations. Yeah. Like, like Jamestown literally would have died if it wasn't for the help of, you know, 
and the cooperation of the native tribes in that area. So the fact that you're like, just start at 1776, no, because if there weren't, if there weren't native indigenous people's help in that, like our country wouldn't exist. And that's wrong on so many levels because we stole their country from them and we stole their land from them. And I don't have to get super into it because I don't want to go on a tangent, but you know, it, you at least need to say that we're here because of native peoples. You can't just be like, no, we, we popped in, we're, we declared independence and that's it. Like, where's the context here? Exactly. Right. Um, There's like absolutely no nuance to doing that. I mean, e- even parts, I mean, t- you know, the political science side of it, you know, you know, my, my jam, I mean, how, how do we think we even got the declaration of independence? How do we think that we even got the constitution hello the magna carta william penn's frame of government the english bill of rights hi guys let's be educated instead of completely glossing over these foundational moments in history and completely glossing over the experiences of you know alienated groups who were used and abused and just taken to create what we have now i mean you I I, ha- I almost have to laugh because it almost sounds hilarious because it like the idea of it is like, what? I, I have to laugh to cope, but it's also as a historian, completely horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, wait, if we start at like 1776, right? We're not going to learn about like the Stamp Act, the Sugar Act, like yep, any, any of that. attention with the Sorry, sorry, None of that. None of that. We're not going to learn about, like, how no taxation without representation. Like, what? You can't just start at 1776. Like, I'm laughing because, like, Caitlin, you're so right. Like, it, the things that, like, we think of as so, like, American history, you know, the Boston Tea Party, that's not going to, that's not yeah. going to be taught. Boston Massacre. The new education. First yeah. Continental Congress. The start yeah. of the war. I think people forget the war started in '75. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, or even even so much as like the 13 original colonies. Yeah. Hello, are we just not gonna talk about the 13 colonies anymore? I mean, sorry, Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, et cetera, et cetera. You guys just don't matter, and apparently, <laughs> you just happened out of the blue. I mean, you don't just have a state established and it's like i i landed here boom here's a state like what it doesn't even (laughs) it doesn't even make any sense it's i i this is why more historians need to be going into educational leadership because if i had the opportunity to be in educational leadership and i heard that this was even like a a blip of a thought i would like completely lose it because it makes no sense whatsoever and this idea that american education needs to be quote unquote more patriotic by completely cutting out hundreds of years of history from all peoples it's just like and we wonder why we're uneducated because we keep chipping away at education and thinking it's a good idea it is not (laughs) yeah it's not no and i think like something that's also very you know, important to consider is that history is not something where you can just be like, let's start here. Like, it's so messy. Like, if you think about this year alone and everything that's happened, like, where would you start? Like, there's no, like, definitive start 
point in this year alone, let alone, you know, the beginnings and the makings of a country. You can't just say we're going to start here and that's it. Like, there is no definitive start point. Like, there's not. Because even like, Sam, as you mentioned before, even if you start at, quote, 1492, that's not the start. You had a whole entire group of people living there before, before 1492 and they had their own lives and we never learn about it. Exactly. So... Um, you know, that, the, the idea that there's a definitive start point for me is just like ridiculous because there's not history is messy because life is messy and life is history. So that's, <laughs> that's that. Yeah. So talking about like the, I think it's, a, it's a, you know, incredibly important discussion to talk about like the date and like why 1776 makes really no sense. I think, you know, you could definitely dispute 1619 too for having its flaws, yeah. but it definitely, you know. It encompasses a lot more of history that's needed and also the purpose of it. Its goal is to encompass more history as opposed to trying to stop history. And I think that's kind of where the next conversation comes in, where to quote the man himself, uh, he referred to the 1619 Project as toxic propaganda. And then in a speech talking about his new initiative, he said, and I quote, our youth will be taught to love America with all of their heart and all of their soul. So what kinds of historical bodies does, does that remind you guys of? Well, <sighs> you know, I, I really try and I, and I hesitate a lot of times to, to, to use the, the, the H word, right? Yeah. I, I, I really hesitate to do it because I don't, want to necessarily compare Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler um, because it's an uncomfortable thing to say and, and historically that's a narrative to, you know. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, yeah. absolutely. But the idea that, you know, we need to only be teaching certain things and that our education only needs to be about how America is sunshine, flowers, and cuteness it is very indicative of, you know, fascist mm -hmm. and and yucky and Hitler-ish, you know, ideals. And the fact of the matter is, whether we like it or not, the United States is founded on a rocky history. The United States is not sunflower, rainbows, and cuteness. Neither is any nation mm -hmm. in this on this planet. I mean. To, to only talk about the good things that your country has done, you pretty much toss out like 50% of your history, in my opinion. Yeah, it's kind you, of like Bill Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you think about it, like, yeah, it's like, it's like if we all just like watch the Cosby show with like zero conscience of the fact that he's also like a horrible person. It's like, I feel like that's kind of how America is. It's like... <laughs> Watching the Cosby show and being like, yeah, uh, he's totally a great person, great guy, family man. And then just like ending your analysis there is the 1776 commission. Yeah, no. And I, I think that, that what is so dangerous about this is we are in this period now where we are finally opening our eyes and you know we're seeing the issues that exist within our law enforcement. And we're seeing the systemic racism because it's staring us in the face. Um, and it's always stared us in the face, but we finally decided, you know, to like open our eyes and actually look at it. Um, and so what this is going to do, if this actually, you know, comes into fruition, which I really hope it doesn't, I really hope it's that. going, 
it's it's going to it's going to return us to a place actually that we've never been before because while history you know is whitewashed we still learn about racism like not not to say that it's like the way it should be taught but like it's still taught you know we still learn about indigenous peoples like while it's like very you know not not good enough um that still exists but if you if you start at 1776 you wipe out all of that and so now you'll have generations of people who just don't know about racism and they don't know about indigenous peoples you know not and and that that is dangerous because now people don't have the opportunity to learn it at all so they don't have the freedom to be like oh i want to know how we actually began no like this is like changing history you can't change history but this is an attempt to shape history to fit political agendas which is wrong on so many levels because history is not a political agenda history is history period it's the history and it's the it's the story of us like you can't just be like no you're not learning your story anymore like it's so it's it's wild yeah and and something that that i've been saying a lot because um you know it's pretty obvious in my friend group that i am um, a pretty liberal gal. And I'm actually told slash asked a lot, like, you know, when you teach your history, you're, you're just going to push your political agenda, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I don't need to push anything. That's not necessary. And that's not what a historian does. Mm -hmm. History speaks for itself. Um, you just need to read and learn the basic facts and you will get the point. You will understand what's going on. You will understand what things mean. Perhaps sometimes you need someone to break it down for you a little more and you need someone to help you understand the nuances. But history is one of the most awesome subjects because it, it has a voice of its own. It has an accurate voice and it speaks for itself. So removing aspects of that voice, now we are taking away that free voice from accurate history and we're putting the voice in hands of people who should not have it. Um, even you know even me i i don't think i should control the historical narrative of anything that is not my place that is not my job my job is to give you the facts and let the history talk mm -hmm. um and and taking away the voice from historical facts and, and known facts is incredibly disturbing to me and completely circumvents the point of history yeah I think it's just this this whole scenario is just like four years ago when, you know, it was a very, you know, the race was, you know, neck and neck and people were, you know, I feel like the majority of the American public were on the fence, which is, it's crazy to think now because I feel like now pretty much everybody has chosen a side. No one could have seen this coming. <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, we all, you know, had our, you know, suspicions and we all thought, you know, yeah, he could be bad, but I don't think we thought this bad. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. I remember when he got elected, I, um, I, I stayed up all night watching election coverage and I was eating my, my chocolate to cope. And when it pretty much became obvious that he had won, I thought to myself, well, that's not good. And then I didn't sleep for like a week because I kept going through my head like, oh, what could happen? I really never predicted like 90% of the stuff that has happened. 
Mm-hmm. Especially the global pandemic. Yeah, part. COVID, right. COVID was right. like. Nobody could have field. possibly predicted the fact that we would be on what our ninth month now of, of of sitting in our houses, staring at the four walls. Like, there's so much that was not predicted, and, and this is one of those things that, you know, when he got elected, I, I was discouraged, but I was like, you know what, we're gonna be fine. Maybe something good will happen. I'll give him a chance. At yeah. this point, I'm like, I. It, Come on, I, I tried to give you a chance, my guy, but you just continue to blow it and you continue to do things or say things that I just ethically uh, is so upsetting and, and discouraging. And, you know, I, Katie and I talk about this sometimes, but, but as historians, sometimes we look around and, it's, you know, and I look around and I think, oh my God, what, what are we doing? What is going on? Am I living? like the most pivotal moment in American history. Is that what's going on? It's like, and, and, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think that also like we were talking about like the fact that people are on the fence, like, you know, now people have ch- chosen a side. Well, if people learned if everyone today had, you know, a, the best history education they could possibly get because history speaks for itself, there wouldn't be, sides i don't think at least or it would be more clear where we should be yeah i think like i don't want to assume because that's not you know that's usually not where i go but i would like to think that if people took the time to like learn about you know as much as they could about our country you know i think that the that the history would speak for itself and we we would not be as divided as we are because history is fact but because people don't know about it they can be persuaded and they don't necessarily know when things that you know are being said are not accurate so i think that's also why we need to you know keep learning about history and expand its scope rather than you know trying to stifle it yeah i think that's i think that's kind of a good way to wrap up i think you know, history is, you know, I think we've definitely talked for the last hour about how history is incredibly important, especially right now. It's, you know, and it's an objective scope and an objective lens on the world that we live in that all people should be able to look through equally. And I think hopefully the three of us joining education and the, you know, the group of kids that are with us will help to kind of reinforce the narrative and reinforce you know history actually being taught correctly yeah i i can only hope i i think that more people should go into education for that same reason um you know most people who go into education do it because they want to with their heart i mean educators do not get paid nearly em- enough um we know this yep. but i i think it's it's pretty much a historian's job at this point to just simply tell the facts um, we can't layer over the facts with our own personal feelings. I know that we want to. I want to sometimes too. But at this point, all that we can and should do is just keep giving the facts, keep yelling about the real history, keep yelling about what we know to be true, and, and hope, you know, hope that people follow suit. Yeah. Does anyone else does anyone else have anything else to say? 
I just want to say thanks for joining us um, this week, Caitlin. Um, oh, yeah. it's, it's nice to have another history you know, major in the mix. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope I wasn't too um, sassy. Not at all. <laughs> we, we like that. We like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You know, I had, you know, my first four episodes or three episodes were, were just me. And I was like, I, I wish I feel like I could add another history major to the mix. And it was nice. And then Katie joined and that was added to the conversation. And then of course, three history majors is, you know, and even more <laughs> kind of dead, even more, not dead, that dense isn't the word, an even more intense and nice conversation. So yeah, always happy to talk to another history major. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, check out Context Clues on our Instagram. We just started. We're going to be posting at least two this week. Uh, just little one-minute shareable clips. And uh, yeah, we hope you have a good week. Thank you. Thank you.